Bobby, come on, let's teach a little bit. Today, we're continuing a series on fresh air. And uh, on the first week of fresh air, I mentioned that uh, uh, several years ago, I got certified to scuba dive. And I just think it's so much fun, but it was so weird. Bobby, that when they certified me, they took me off the coast of West Palm Beach. And, uh, you know, I'm only about 40 feet deep or so. But um, in that, the, the instructor jumps in, comes down there, and he takes your mouthpiece out and then takes your tanks and your vest off. And your job at 40 feet deep is to put all that junk back on and not die, which was, I thought it was a pretty good goal. You're like, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> it was really a lot like yeah. that, yeah. And um, it just totally freaked me out. You know, I mean, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but we can't breathe underwater. I don't care how hard you try, it cannot be done. Hmm. So when I got to the surface, I mean, I got all my stuff back on, I got mouthpiece, I got the, I got the surface, and you know what I did when I got to the surface? I yanked everything off and went, <gasps> you know, because I needed some fresh air. Yeah. You know, we all need a little fresh air. We absolutely do, and I, it's so funny, over the last couple of years, I've never been claustrophobic, yeah. but the last couple of years, when I've, I've noticed that whenever I feel constrained by something, this week I was in a crammed into an Uber with, uh, with no space. And then I got hot and I just started having a panic moment where literally I'm trying to focus on my breathing. How do I make sure I don't look like an idiot in the middle of this car? And finally, when the guy came to a traffic light and stopped, I literally popped out of the car to take my coat <laughs> off. And I was like, man, I'm just having a That's meltdown awesome. here. And I think in a lot of our lives, we have spiritual versions. Yeah, of absolutely. That. I, I mean, so when too. January rolled around, we're like, awesome. It's a brand new year. This is going to be a great year. Yeah. And then here we are at the end of February and we're needing that yeah. fresh air. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of places to get fresh air, but obviously the number one place is in our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Cause you know, you think about all the crises in the world, right? And, but maybe they're not crises except to you or in your head. Have you ever noticed that we can create some crisis? I mean, you take up enough, you take enough negative stuff in your brain and eventually everything's a crisis. You ever notice that? Like, have you, do you know anybody who like all they watch is like their preferred news choice? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what happens? Whatever that news choice is, they start thinking it's about them. Yeah. I've noticed, it's just unbelievable. We're all being shaped every day by whatever yeah. inputs we allow. And if we're not careful, we'll listen to yeah. just one voice all the time. And before you know it, you think that's true. And you know what I've world. noticed? That voice is never Christ's. Mm. It's always the world's. Because it's so much easier to take in. Like it's so much easier to flip on a television and listen to, I don't know, David Muir at ABC News, right? But you know, I, I like David Muir. But honestly, if, if that's all you take in, then you're just thinking David Muir. Um, so this week, Bobby, in my office, uh, three kind of people have come to see me this week. People that are anxious, people that are tired, and people that are angry. It's kind of the three types of people. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit of all of us, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And um, so what I've learned, though, there's a, there's a consistent pattern in anxious and tired and angry. There's kind of this consistent pattern, and the consistent pattern is this, that we find it so much easier to be anxious, to be tired, uh, to be weary, uh, and to be angry when we've pushed everything Christ-like out of our life and let whatever the world offers us, and we take it like a substitute. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like um, you, can put, you can put Splenda in your coffee to replace it for sugar, but it's still not good for you. Right? So I think we, 
today, and we're talking about fresh air, Bobby and I are going to be talking out of Romans chapter 5, and part of what we want to share is this question, why Jesus? Yeah, when we're thinking about 2022, a lot of people have asked us, obviously there's been so much change in the world. I mean, there, I think this, this season has been called the great resignation. Companies right. across right. the board are just seeing this, yeah. this migration of staff and people and and, uh, and then you've got online versus in-person and all these things. People have been asking, well, what's the way forward for the church? Like, what's the, what does 2022 look for the church? And honestly, as we prayed about it last year, as we walked into January this year, what we really believe is the way forward is actually to get back to the basics. That's right. That what we really believe is that in a world that's constantly changing, what we need is a foundation that we can build our lives on, a foundation yeah. we can build our church on. And the simple phrase that we've been using internally is that this is a year of walking with Jesus. Right. A year of walking with Jesus. A year where we say as best as we can, we don't want to just know about Jesus. We don't want to just talk about Jesus. But what does it mean to actually walk with him day in and day out? It's, it's pretty easy to take Jesus for granted. I'm not sure I understand or ever will understand all the dynamics in that, but I, I, it's pretty easy to take Jesus for granted. Like, he'll always be there. There's never a place he's not. He'll always be there for me. I can always run back to him. And so as a result, what happens is we can take, we can take Jesus and almost uh, segregate him from our life and do our thing, and then when our world crashes around us, then we run back to him. Yeah. Hence, those three words, walking, and I want you to hear them separately, walking with Jesus. So the first word, walking, is kind of a pickup from your last week's sermon, right? About getting rid of the hurried life. Yeah, there's, so, a, there's an intentionality. One of the yeah. stats shows that the average pace that people walk is three miles an hour. So I'm probably about two. I've heard, do we have any, uh, any New York City folks in here? Yeah. I've heard any that if, New you, York City folks in if here? you live in New York for any length of time, you end Welcome up literally America. walking faster. Yeah. Welcome to America. It's good to have you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, and inside of walking, though, you know, I've noticed this, that we still like, you know what my go-to on walking is? To put my earbuds in and listen to a podcast or a book. That's my go-to. Yeah. But what I'm learning is that the single best walking I do is with no noise whatsoever, but it's not in solitude, it's with him. I mean, it's, it's so radical that walking necessitates that you slow your life down. You're not, you're not pushing for a personal best, but you're, you're just walking. So the, the disciples knew what this was like with Jesus. Yeah. You never read that Jesus was in a sprint to get from one place to another. You never read that Jesus said, we gotta hustle guys. Yeah. We got, they got this stuff planned for us, we gotta go. Listen, we, we gotta hurry. And I think, you know, in any relationship, you know, parents know this, the way that you spell love to your child is T-I-M-E, right? That's it, right. It literally takes time. And that's true in our walk with Christ or yeah. with anybody else. That's if right. If we want to develop a deeper relationship, it takes time. It's not fast. It's not easy. It just takes time. So, so walking's walking is a big part. Then you take the second word. Then if you're walking with, what does that assume? It means you're not alone. alone. So in Genesis chapter 2, God had created the heavens and the earth and created man. He said, that's good. But he looked and said, it's not good that you're alone. So before God even had to deal with sin in Genesis 3, he dealt with aloneness in Genesis chapter 2. And so not only does he give us helpmates, but gives us friends, gives us relationships, gives us a church, but he wants to walk with us. And then the final word necessitates action. The action is I choose who I walk with. 
I invite who I walk with. Now, in this case, uh, what we know is that there's never a place where Jesus is not. I don't know if that comforts you or not, depending on what you did this week. But there's not a place where Jesus is not. The psalmist says, there's no place I can go that you are not already there. And so what we know is that to walk with Jesus is an intentional effort to say, I want to walk with you because when I walk with you, there is benefit to me. Haven't you noticed that you become like the people you hang out with? Absolutely. Have you ever been around somebody that the more you're around them, you end up picking up their phrases, you yeah. pick up their mannerisms. Before you know it, you're doing something they would do. Right. Well, it's similar in our walk with Jesus. The idea is that we would spend time with Jesus, that we would do what Jesus did, and then we'd live that life out. And so as we think about fresh air, the fresh air that we need today isn't I don't know if you heard, people have been giving me a hard time about having over 500 apps on my phone. So the, the fresh air we need I'm isn't right behind you, buddy. more apps. It isn't some, the latest thing. The fresh air really is walking with yeah. Jesus, that Jesus isn't just somebody to know about. He wasn't just a good teacher. He's God himself to have a relationship with. And so today, uh, Pastor Chuck mentioned it, we're going to be Romans 5. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along or if you have a Bible app, the question we answer a lot is, well, why Jesus? Right. A lot of times around here, we say the Bible's a big deal and Jesus is the biggest deal. Well, in a culture that doesn't necessarily gravitate towards Jesus, as we wrap up the series mm -hmm. today, how, why Jesus? What does knowing Jesus That's do right. in the life of every single person that follows him? Because we, we all this week are going to make a conscious choice to follow Jesus or not. Now you can say, well, Chuck, I'm just not wired that way. Well, every heart is wired to follow Jesus and every heart is wired to know Jesus. The question is, are you turning your heart loose or not? Or is something else influencing your heart? Okay, now that's a fair question. So let's take a look at why Jesus. In Romans chapter five, beginning in verse six, the text says, when we were utterly helpless, come on, those two words just leave you thinking, I've been there. I mean, have have all of you had a stage in your life where you hit, I'm utterly helpless? Maybe in your parenting, maybe in your health, maybe in your finances, maybe in your career. I mean, just it's just utterly helpless. We've talked a lot this month about the difference in hopeless and helpless. You know, hopeless is when you, you, you look out in the future and think things are never going to be better. Helpless is you look out in the future and you think, I don't know how to get there. And Jesus comes along when we are in this desperate state of utterly helpless to give us direction and listen to what it says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, this is the beauty of this, that we didn't go looking for Jesus. He came to us. I mean, the scripture says he loved us first. So he comes to us. And you say, well, Chuck, surely he didn't come to me in my state where I'm at right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. He came to you exactly how you are right now. The beauty of Jesus is that he comes to you with this universal ability to save, salvage, and restore you, but even more beautifully comes to you individually right where you're at to deal with whatever your stuff is. You know what I've learned? That you can never compare utterly helpless. Yeah. Like my version of utterly helpless might be completely different than Sydney's, but Sydney's utterly helpless to her is serious business. You're utterly helpless. is serious business to you. And Jesus knows that. Now, you could say, well, man, those folks in Ukraine, they're, they're more utterly helpless than I am tonight. Watch this. Not to God. Whatever you are utterly helpless with, 
he sees as the greatest need in your life and has the greatest desire to serve that and to restore that. He goes on and listen to what the rest of the text says. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps die and be willing to die for a person who is especially good. And yet this same book says none of us are good. Come on, do you not see the irony there? I mean, don't you want to have a t- chat with him one day? It's like, dude, what, were you messing with me? Then it goes on and says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There's that question. There's that statement again. Yeah. I'm like, I've never walked into your office and said, good morning, sinner. I mean, probably I probably should. should yeah. yeah. But right, and now that I think about it, we might need to make that a habit. Especially if I haven't had coffee yet. Yeah, that no doubt. Be, yeah. No doubt. But you know, I'm not sure I want people to walk around the corner and say, hey, Pastor Center. Yeah. You know, if that's your last name, change it. Right? But, but honestly, the scriptures teach us we all are. Yeah. None of us are righteous. No, not one. All of us have come short of God's perfection. Now, what I love about Jesus so much is that he saw past my imperfection, saw past your imperfection, mm-hmm. saw, saw past your, and, and was able to say, then I'm perfect, and I'm going to build this gap so you and God can be right together. Mm. I mean, this is beautiful. I'm going to build this so you and I can be right together. I mean, Jesus came to rescue us. Yeah. You say rescue from what? Rescue us from the strategy of this world to drag us down and to make us believe that you can't do this. And yet, I am here to say to you on the authority of God's word that not only can you do this in the power of Christ, you can do all things through the power of Christ. This is one of probably the top, within the top three or top five favorite passages of scripture for me. Because when Paul's writing this, he's writing to a lot of people that had grown up with rules and codes and, hey, maybe I can earn my way into the presence of God. Maybe I could try to do enough good stuff. Maybe if I keep all of the commandments, then I'll be right with God. And and he says, look, while we're helpless, meaning we're separated from God because of our sin, there's nothing we can do to fix it ourselves. There's nothing, not enough creativity, not enough urgency in our life, not enough giving more, serving more, attending more. He says, look, you're helpless and even while you're still a sinner, that's right. Christ dies for you. Meaning yeah. that he doesn't wait for our best day. Yeah. He doesn't wait till our third cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Right. He doesn't wait until we get our act together. He doesn't wait until we've we've cleaned up our lives. He says, even on our deepest, darkest day, he right. still dies for us. He rescues us from something we could never do ourselves. In fact, here's the phrase that we have is the problem is that doing right can never actually make us right. But you know, how beautiful is that? The system of the world is like, well, maybe if I do enough right yeah. stuff, I can earn it, I'll be okay. Yeah. But it never actually, just doing stuff never changes yeah. the heart of the issue. But don't you, I mean, I, here's what I see a lot. Our humanity screams at us that we ought to do more because everything in the world teaches us that you just need to work harder, you need, you need to spend more, you need to save more, you need to go more. You need, everything pushes us to do more except Jesus. And Jesus comes along and says, all this efforting that you're putting in, none of that is going to give you the ability to walk with me easier until you just lay it all down and then let me guide your life. And I, this is one of the most difficult challenges, I think, for, in the Christian walk is to figure out how do I actually lay down what the world offers me so that I can pick up the hand of Christ and walk with him at his pace. And, and what I'm learning, I wish I'd have known this when I was 42, not 62, but what I'm learning is the fact that somewhere in the middle of that, 
you truly have to believe with great faith that this is what Jesus has come to do for you. I mean, you just wipe away all this thought of when, when Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray for everything. That just sounds so feeble to the human mind until you actually try it, until you actually do it. I, I, had, a, I had an experience Wednesday morning, Bobby. So I went to go hear my grandson read poetry. If you've never listened to a first grader recite poetry, you have missed something really special, right? He kind of did it like this. Feels so like at a school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was blowing it out, man, at his school. And uh, they go to, my, my grandsons go to perimeter school, you know, down at 141 in old Alabama. So I'm pulling out to head to the church. And uh, this guy comes blowing by me like it's, I mean, really, I, I'm going to die right here, you know? And um, we get on up to the traffic light, and he's telling me to roll my window down. So, I, you know, I roll the window down. And he was so kind. He shared with me I was number one over and over again. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he was Are they like, in the room? Any, anybody? No? Probably a deacon. Yeah. And, okay. Um, but he was, he was like throwing down, you know? And, and then he just went off. And I'm thinking, I don't really know what I did, but. So please hear me. I'm, I'm not this spiritual, okay? I'm really not. Because everything in me wanted me to share with him that he's number one as well. But I didn't. I didn't. But, but the reason I didn't is that my small group met Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. So I needed an illustration. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I keep the window down and I scream at him, hey, hey. And he's looking at me like, what? And I said, has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you? <laughs> Dude hit the gas like nobody's business. So like if you're ever in one of those situations, you throw Jesus out there, it's like a hand grenade, man. Yeah. You know, and it would, it's not a hand grenade, it's a hand grenade, isn't it right? Yeah. Well, I'm from Georgia, so yeah. it's a hand grenade where I'm from. So, but I, I thought about it and I shared it with my group Wednesday night. And you know, the, the lesson for me is this. The world doesn't need more of me and the world doesn't need more of you. The world needs us to let Jesus rule on our heart. Amen. Because when that happens, all this other stuff's gonna get sorted out. Yeah, that's so good. He rescues us. Yeah. So when you start putting all these pieces together, I mean, as Paul's writing this, he's like, even while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So he rescues, he makes it possible for anybody to know him. Yeah. For anybody to have their sins forgiven but then the question is, well, what do I do with all the stuff I'm carrying? That's right. What do I do with my past? And what do I do with the lingering things? And We've all got baggage. Right. And yeah. So what, what do we do with that? Well, as Paul's writing, a second thing that we say about why Jesus is because he releases us from mm. those things. He releases us from those things. Listen to what he says in Romans 5 verse 10. He says, for since our friendship with God was restored, restored, this mm. relationship, this this, this relationship we're intended for since the beginning of time, it's now been restored yeah. by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his yeah. son. How good. You know, the message uh, translates it this way. When we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son. And now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrected life. Meaning that you give your life to Christ, you're nowhere near done. You've just started. You, you haven't arrived somewhere. 
I mean, we all know that to live as a Christ follower doesn't mean we've arrived. We're all works in process. I mean, none of us lived the perfect life this week. We all did something really weird somewhere along the week. And in that, yet, Christ is continuing to work on us. And there are a few words that, that come out of that. One of them is we read in uh, several times in the book of Romans the word condemnation. Yeah. So unpack that for us. Because yeah. I think that's a word we just totally don't get. Well, the word condemnation literally means that de God declares us to be sinners. Yeah. It's literally a declaration of war. There's this, yeah. this rift in our relationship, yeah. right? So condemnation is a big word. And, and so in Romans 8, 1, he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ. Mm. So that, that enmity, that war, that hostility in Christ has been removed, which yeah. brings us to another word called justification. Right. And justification. So, if, so just, just to be clear, make yeah. sure condemnation is basically we are in enmity with God. We, we're in war because there's no peace. Yep. So Jesus comes and says, but you have no condemnation yep. because of me. Yep. So I'm sorry, go ahead with Yeah, no condemnation, not based on our works or performance, trying to be a better person. Right. It's based on Jesus. Right. That's why. Period. So all, all today in this whole Fresh Air series, it's Jesus, right? It literally is Jesus. And then this idea of justification means that God declares us to be righteous. So even while we're helpless sinners, when we're still messed up on our own, he declares us to be something that we could never obtain on our own. That's right. That's how Jesus can look at anybody that's a sinner, anybody that has a past, anybody that has has baggage. He can declare us to be something yeah. we could never do on our own. And he makes this declaration of peace mm. through his death on the cross. And what's really interesting is when you think about the cross, there's so much we could talk about the cross, but when you think about the cross, it's as if Jesus became a magnet for sin, right. meaning that when he was on the cross, he took the sin of the world. He took my sin, your sin, the sin of the entire globe, and he placed it on himself. So when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, mm -hmm. the penalty, the thing that we deserve for sin, he paid that price. Right. And here's what's fascinating. A lot of these people that are hearing Paul or reading this letter that was written to them, they have this, this Old Testament background where in the Old Testament, you had to give a sacrifice at least once a year. Right. Every year you would, you would give a sacrifice and that sacrifice was meant to cover your sins for the year. And what's interesting is in the Old Testament, our sins were covered, but in what Jesus did on the cross, our sins are actually removed. That is a massive statement. I think if we, if we could all grasp that concept in our daily life, big and little, if we could grab this concept that, okay, in the Old Testament, pre-Jesus coming on the scene, earthly, we know that you could offer a sacrifice and it was like, it was like I'm just going to hide those sins. Jesus comes along and through his death, burial, and resurrection, sins aren't hidden, they're taken away. They're erased, they're gone, they're expunged. And for me, it's like I have made so many dumb decisions in my life that I can't imagine living a life without this justification. And because of that justification, knowing there's no condemnation, and that when Christ comes into our life, now we start living in the world of sanctification where God continues to work on us and clean us yeah, up. He changes us from yeah. the inside out, yeah. so he rescues us. He releases us. Yeah. He removes that separation. But then I love this next part. He restores us. That's right. 
That's right. And, and this whole concept of restoration, think about it. Jesus is, without any question, in the business of restoring people's lives. When people, when people say, well, Chuck, what, what is God's part in all this? From the moment sin entered the world, God has been about the restoration of his people. Restoring your days, your moments, your bad years, those times in which you thought you were alone, those times when things were over. Those times in which you're, you've got great sorrow and you're, you're stressed out to the max. Jesus comes along and he redeems those days to the fact that you can look back someday and say, but this is what God did through my life, through that. I've had so many times in my life where I just felt like, God, where in the, what on earth could you possibly do good out of this? And the good news is that I didn't have to count on my sight. I could trust Jesus's sight, which was so much further than mine and his way so much higher than mine that he is indeed still restoring so many of those days in my life out of the simple fact of learning to walk with him. And I, I, know, that's, I, I know that's preacher talk, y'all. I really do. I get it. But um, I shared this with my group. I, I had a counseling session earlier this week, and somebody was really struggling with, but how do I tangibly do this? Because like, in our humanity, Bobby, we, I mean, even me and you, we're task-oriented people. We like to have this is what you do. You know, I mean, I love to read books that say do this. You know, it's just then I get to go do stuff. Because what's interesting is that walking with Christ does involve doing stuff, though. Like, I think sometimes, we, you know, we, we get this picture. It's like, mm, walking with Jesus, baby, yeah. You know, kind of that thing. I'm not sure that came out right. But you know what? You get the gist, right? But I've learned that walking with Jesus every morning is my choice. I choose. Do I want to walk with Jesus today? And if so, I tangibly do something about it. So you just, here's, here's the, if y'all are, uh, how many of y'all are like, I like to-do list when I have a list to do? How many of you wanted to raise your hand, but you lost track of me, you had no idea what I was saying? Some of these okay. people <laughs> write down stuff they've already done just so they can check it off. So. Oh, I promise you. Yeah. First, my first task list every day is to make a task list. Yeah. Because there's nothing like the adrenaline hit when you, like a, the dopamine flows when you check that one off. Yeah. So it's like, I did something. You know, so, um, so here's what I encourage you to do. Grab a three by five card or a notebook, right? Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, write down, don't just say it, don't just think it, write it down. Two things I'm grateful for. Oh, it doesn't matter what it is. Like just two things you're grateful for, okay? Then right after that, uh, so tomorrow's the 28th. So tomorrow, read the 28th chapter of Proverbs, right? Just, there's 31 chapters. So you got one for every day of the month. You're with me, right? So just read that one. So tomorrow, read the 28th verse. Then on Tuesday, read the first. And so, at the end of that, write down, like, give yourself, like, four to six bullets. And those bullet points are, this is the person that I believe God wants me to be this week. Okay? Now, watch this. Some of you, I've lost you on some of you because I'm not doing that, Chuck. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know what I've discovered? It's not just for to-do people. It's for people who want to walk with Jesus. So, gratitude, scripture, this is the person I think God wants me to be. Like, one of the things, Bobby, that I, I wanted to be this year is a serious writer. And you know what serious writers do? They write every day. So every day since January 1, I've written 30 minutes. I mean, it's just, just write. Yeah. You know, if you want to walk with Jesus, you just choose to walk with Jesus. Yeah. 
and for those of us that are trying to figure out how do you walk with Jesus, start with gratitude, get scripture in your life. Once you get scripture in your life, this is the person I want God to be. Go live that out through the day. At the end of the day, flip the card over, write down the things that went good today, then write down the things you're worried about tomorrow. Thank God for those, pray for the others, and sleep like a baby. So Come good. on, that's a pretty good plan, isn't it? That's so good. Yeah. I love what First Peter says in First Peter 5, verse 10. He says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory mm. by means of Christ Jesus. Yeah. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, he will support, he'll strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Oh, man. We all need a base. Yeah. We all need a place that we know we're standing on solid ground. I'm good here. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, when you were a kid, you played tag and you had a base you had to get back to. Yep. It's like Jesus gives you a base you can always come back that to. Foundation. Yeah, you can, you can be rock solid. Regardless of what the world's doing, you can be rock solid right there. That's walking with Jesus. It's so good. It's, so as you think about this progression, he rescues us. We couldn't do it ourselves. Right. He releases us, that bondage, that, all that junk we've been carrying, he releases us from that. He restores us. He, he puts us in a right relationship with God and I love this last part. He recreates us yeah. from the inside out. How beautiful At the moment that? of salvation, the presence of Jesus steps out of heaven and steps into our heart. Yeah. And that change that happens in our heart eventually is going to leak its way out into everything that we That's do. Right. It's not overnight. It's not instant. Sometimes there's quick wins, yeah. but oftentimes uh, it takes time for mm -hmm. that heart change to begin to leak its way out into yeah. everything else we do. And what I love about what Kelsey's saying a few moments ago is Spirit of God, inviting the Spirit of right. God to do His work inside of us. Because if we're trying to do this out of our own strength, we're gonna be worn out. If we try to, try to you know, download the latest app to get it done, it's not gonna work. If we keep trying to live the life of Christ without the Spirit of Christ inside mm. of us, we're ju it, it just doesn't yeah. work. And so as we think about what he does as he places his spirit inside of us, he says in Romans 5, verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have mm. now received reconciliation through him. So How let's cool walk is that? with him. So when you think about the concept of, of recreating, and we'll, we'll wrap up with this, is the thought that when Jesus steps into your life, he steps in the form of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit begins to work within us. And so when the Spirit is at work within your life, he begins to refine you, restore you. And all of these things we talked about today reminds you that you've been rescued, reminds you that he's at work in your life. He's, he, he even is the one that sharpens you and corrects you at times. Um, I, if, if, if I wasn't afraid of throwing guilt your way because I would never want to do that, I, I would start going through a list of all the kind of day-by-day sins. How many of you? How many of you? How many of you? And inevitably, we'd hit everybody, right? But the beauty is that it's not... Jesus never intended the church to be the place where you come and get beat up about that. Otherwise, he would believe in condemnation. But he says there's no condemnation. So those of us that are in Christ, what is it we're to do? We're to live with no condemnation either because we're to be more like him. And so in doing so, what I'd say to you is the spirit is at work within us. Don't squash him down. Turn him loose. Let him do that work in you that nobody else can. And watch how easy it is to walk with Jesus. So if you're here today and you'd say like a dozen or so folks did at 930, 
well, Chuck, I want to know how to do this. I, I want it. How do I, where do I start? What's next? I mean, Bobby, that's one that we talk about all the time. What's next? Well, at this point, what's next is let's make sure that you are walking with Jesus, that, that you know he's with you, walking with you. And, and it's this simple. Do you want to say, Jesus, would you forgive me? And come live in my life. I want, I want to walk with you. I'm, I'm tired of trying to do things my way. And I want to thank you that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me. You shed your blood for the forgiveness of my sin. And I, would you come in and do all of this work and recreate me? And you say, well, Pastor Chuck, do, do, I, do I have to join a church, walk an aisle, get baptized? You don't have to do any of the above. You just walk with Jesus. So today, if you'd say, well, yeah, Chuck, that, that's what I need in my life. I, I want to I ask Jesus to come forgive me my sins. I wanna, I'm tired of walking my way. I want to walk with him. I, mean, I want to thank him that he died for me. He rose from the dead for me. He's got a place in heaven for me. Then it, it's, it's this simple. If that's the desire of your heart, just raise your hand. Wherever. Amen. Raise them high. Don't be embarrassed. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. Come on, how cool is that? Thank you. Well, how courageous. Now, the scripture says, well, what's next? Well, you, you do what Austin did down here. You just follow Jesus and believers' baptism. You say, well, Chuck, I ain't getting in a pool. I'm not getting in front of anybody. Okay. Well, we're not in a business to try to force you into getting baptized. Baptism is between you and the Lord, not between you and me. Right? And baptism is not about joining a church. Baptism is just saying, Jesus, you did it. Jesus, you told us to do it. Jesus, I want to show the world that I trust you. And you just do it. And you say, well, who, who do I talk to about that? Well, it's pretty simple. I'm going to be right here at the end of the service. And you can come see me if you have money for that family. And you can come see me if you want to know more about baptism. It's that simple. And then, Bobby, some, sometime this week, a church member is going to say, Pastor Chuck, you should have had those people walk an aisle and come down here and fill out a card. Hey, church, listen to me. They're in good hands. I promise you, God knows who these folks are, and God's working in their life. Trust him. All right? And when God chooses to spur them on to do baptism, I'd rather him send them to us, not me. Because whatever I can talk you into, somebody's going to talk you out of. You let Jesus talk you into something, ain't nobody taking it away from you. I'm going to trust him. So, church, how awesome is it we get to celebrate new life in Christ? How beautiful is that? Yeah, how beautiful is that? Sounds to me like we need to worship. Come on, let's pray. Bobby, you pray for us, and then Zach and the band's going to come out. And uh, hey, Zach, me and Bobby talked longer. Just pick one of those songs. Do one of them, and then we're going to let these folks beat the Methodists to the restaurant for a change. Yeah. I know they're never going to beat the Pentecostals, but they'll definitely beat the Methodists. So. Well, if y'all don't mind, let's stand together as we pray. And I'd love just for you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe just take a deep breath and just be present in the moment. I mean, the fresh air that Jesus offers is this amazing relationship with him. And like any other relationship, it takes time to develop that relationship. It takes time to go deeper in that relationship. And I'm so grateful for moments like this where we can just pause and say, that's what I want, Jesus. One prayer I've been praying a lot lately it's just a simple line you are welcome here you are welcome here you are welcome here 
So maybe in your head and your heart, you just want to say that now. God, you're welcome here. Then after I pray, Zach's going to lead us, and I would encourage you to allow the words of the song to be part of that prayer. That they wouldn't just be a tune, but they would really be a prayer that comes from the heart today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the fresh air that you offer, that even while we're still sinners, you died on the cross for our sins. And God, I pray for all my friends here in the room. I pray for those that are watching online or even catching the replay, that they would experience you as their Savior, their Lord, and they would walk with you daily. We give this to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.